we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, you know, I can probably count on one hand, uh, I'm not even sure even that much, uh, where we've started a broadcast with some good news, and uh, but that'll be the case today. Uh, my friends, welcome in to America Out Loud Pulse. Uh, uh, this is yours truly, Malcolm Out Loud here, along with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough, now the center of some good news. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love to break this on the program when you told me, I said, man, this is good. So, all right. So we've got some good news and this is about a lawsuit being dismissed. Please share it with the world here. I think most of the listeners knew that in 2021, uh, Baylor Scott and White Health System sued me and they sued me for an alleged violation of my separation agreement. And the accusations were that I was dragging the name of the health system into the media on major media interviews. And anybody who's listened to me since the outset of the pandemic knows that when I go on, it's simply my opinions. I don't represent any institution. My analyses have been accurate and consistent. And you know, I've changed over time as the virus has mutated, new data come out, but I've never come out and said that I represent somebody else other than me. So this lawsuit on its on its own had no merit. Mm-hmm. It became a legal battle now for nearly two years. I was going to say it's been a couple of years, Peter, as I recall. It's been a couple of years, and I received notice today mm-hmm. uh, that the case has been dismissed by the 191st Judicial District Court, Dallas County, Texas. Associate Judge Tahira Khan Merritt granted the non-suit and dismissed with prejudice, meaning it can never be sued again. There never can be revisited again. All claims asserted or could have been asserted in the case. And, uh, you know, my view is this is a strong victory for freedom of uh, free speech and Mm -hmm. fair balanced publication, media presentation, as we do on the platform. You know, that my analyses have have always been my own. Your opinions are your own. You don't represent someone else, right? That's right. And so- You know, that the disappointing thing about a lawsuit is that it is uh, so expensive and it's so emotionally draining. And, do you know, so many different uh, antagonists out there use the lawsuit in basically a professional slur against me. They said, well, Dr. McCullough, is that the one being sued for COVID misinformation? Mm. Well, no, that lawsuit was never about misinformation. In fact, the lawsuit has been dismissed. It didn't have any merit to begin with. It just is a very long legal process. So hopefully this will turn the tide on some other uh, activities that are going out there on out there. We heard that California AB 2098, the physician COVID muzzle law had been overturned now by a judge in California uh, that had gone into effect January 1st, where doctors couldn't even give their own opinions to patients regarding COVID. Remember, medicine is always about opinions. Law is always about opinions. And people seek doctors and lawyers for opinions and second opinions. And we can never restrict the free speech of of any person, let alone key professionals in our lives. Yeah. A couple of things here. The first thing, the California thing, that's big news, Peter, because uh, 
that that as you say was already uh in play as of uh, beginning of january and uh you know this could have a lot of things that happened in california end up rolling out throughout the country and it could have been it could have became a thing which is totally ludicrous i mean silly stuff but that so that was another piece of good news yeah that was good that's i I would chalk it up as as good news we uh know that uh, uh another piece of good news is that the healthcare workers in New York State got reinstated, and there was an attempt to um, uh, to stop that by the governor of of New York, and a judge intervened. You know, it, you know, it's amazing that we actually need to have either district court judges or federal judges make decisions that really deal with pandemic related health issues, as opposed to our public health authorities, health system officials being rational that we have to rely on the legal system here. And it's been a long grind over three years. Yeah. And the worst part about it is these people, these governors, you should just say the attorney generals that are elected in these states uh, play, you know, God, judge and jury uh, to the citizens who elect them. And that's what happened in New York. You know, there's so many bad things that happen in New York when it comes to these suits and the mandates and Oh my golly! I don't think New York will be the same again in our lifetime, Peter. I know I don't think it will. It's it it's pretty rough out there, you know. Uh, it's true. You know, we highlight in our book "Courage to Face COVID nineteen. We have a a chapter, one of the most interesting titles, "Cuomo Sexuals," and it's about Andrew Cuomo. And you know, he won an Emmy for his pandemic response, a war room presentations about what was going on in New York City, and then. Uh, once it realized that he and, and other officials were a part of this terrible rule where hospitals could return acutely sick COVID nursing home patients back to the same nursing home. And a, as there were hospitals were jockeying for beds, what have you, they basically recontaminated nursing homes and, and it led to untold loss of life in the New York state nursing homes. Uh, what happened is we believe that there was a contrived uh, sexual harassment uh, trumped up set of complaints against Como in order to get him out of the limelight. Wow. They literally took him out based on that. And this terrible story died in New York. And as a, as a collateral damage, Chris Como, his, his pumped up brother on CNN, mm-hmm. uh, he also went down with the ship as well. We never yeah. heard from him again. No, uh, no, But these are awful stories that have emanated out of New York. Somehow New York and California yeah. are up there. I'd say Washington State, Michigan, a few others. It's the same virus. It's the same American people. Why are the responses so different from state to state? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what happened in New York with Cuomo is, is, I mean, it's uh, speechless. It's Satanist but with those nursing homes and everything else. And then, you know, uh, I mean, he was just a problem. But um, what a what a character. What a character. Uh, him and his brother both. I mean, just remarkable. Um you know, well, anyways, congratulations on the Baylor thing. I remember when that suit happened and it was an eye opener as to, and you know, as you say, it's very emotional, it's draining, it's expensive. Nobody wins these sort of litigious suits. Uh, you know, there's not nothing really accomplished except a lot of wasted money. The only one that gets successful out of this is the attorneys that make a lot of money, Peter. That's about it, you know. The attorneys make money and you know, yeah. I do have to remark on the dollar figures uh, involved mm. in the, you know, the alleged case, and then sometimes these court bench or jury decided verdicts. 
For my lawsuit, they had checked the box a million dollars plus. So it could be way more than a million dollars. You know, I've been an academic doctor all my life. I live a pretty modest lifestyle. To me, that's a crushing amount of money, crushing and just wiping me out. Do you know that uh, Alex Jones on InfoWars and, you know, he runs the InfoWars platform. He's got online sales of of various products uh, and he has a wide reach. But for statements that were taken in many ways out of context uh, regarding the Sandy Hook disaster, Mm -hmm. he has an award, a jury award against him for... Uh, uh, for five hundred uh, million, an ungodly amount of money. Let's call it. <laughs> I believe it's five hundred million dollars. So his words. Now he didn't. He didn't murder anybody. He didn't burn down any buildings. He didn't. Uh, you know, his words are worth five hundred million dollars, but that is pennies compared to what er- Doctor Eric Naputi has as an award against him. Eric Naputi is a chiropractor who had online sales of vitamin D and other supplements. And you know, in his the federal case against him, because he was trying to help patients with COVID, the federal award against him is 500 billion with a B dollars, 500 mm. billion, half a trillion dollars for a chiropractor. And when I saw Eric at a meeting uh, a few months ago, I said, you know what? I said, former President Trump only has $4 billion. The, the fact that our federal government thinks you have $500 billion, <laughs> or that your words or your online sales of any product could be worth $500 billion is at this point in time, I think, a real statement on how exaggerated and hyperbolic uh, this entire pandemic response legal affairs situation has become. It's really astounding, these numbers. And and we, we, don't, we don't know where it's going to go from here. I mean, why not, you know, why not $500 trillion? I mean, these are nonsensical numbers. A chiropractor in no way is going to have uh, half a trillion dollars to pay the government in terms of fines. Well, they're using these kinds of cases to uh, to, to as lessons. They're trying to teach other people. It's the same thing as with Alex Jones. It was that, okay, you can't go around doing that kind of thing. You can't cause that kind of stress and life trauma for all those parents uh, and claim that this thing was a smoke and mirrors campaign. It never happened. And so they're trying to teach a lesson to other people. I think they put these astronomical dollars on there knowing they're never going to get the money. These people are going to go bankrupt out of their minds. I mean, so I guess it's that. Isn't that what it is? I think it is. But yeah. there's other ways to teach a lesson. I yeah. think if if people knew that courts gave serious awards amount, people would actually pay attention to it. But when you're at, if you tell someone like a chiropractor who is selling supplements that he now owes the federal government half a trillion dollars, Hmm. it's so big that one can say, you know what? You're not serious about this. That's true. true. I don't know you anything because you're not, you're not even really serious about this. That's That's like getting a speeding ticket and say, well, you have to pay a hundred thousand dollars speeding ticket. You say, well, that's so nonsensical. Uh, and I think every one of these cases now, they go for appeal. You're right. The only winners are the lawyers. Uh, almost all of these situations have been ex- exaggerated, taken out of context, yeah. all different types of uh, manipulations, particularly of these high profile media situations mm-hmm. that everyone knows that, listen, uh, do you know how many wacky things you hear commentators say on TV? I mean, really wacky things. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All the time, 
And if this is something where, well, someone's some something that somebody said yeah. taken out of context well, led to pain and suffering, you, you know, I think we have to carefully re-examine that because yeah. uh, because people on TV and you can find it all over the internet and on TV say a wide range of things. And anybody out there who turns on a computer has to have yeah. some uh, some thick skin. Well, and we're in the opinion business here, obviously, at America Out Loud. But, you know, I, I suggest and I tell all the hosts all the time to do it responsibly, please, as ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, I, I've done that in my own life. I just, you know, I'm, you know, when you're younger, Peter, you're a little more reckless. You're, you know, like you say stupid things and stuff and then. You know, but it's like, I mean, there's a better way we can do these things. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we can do these things. In fact, I, I got an email in just today uh, that uh, I don't even know which host it was, but they were complaining that uh, suggesting they use the Lord's name in vain. And they wanted to know why they did that. I don't know who it was. I, I've asked to talk to the person because I don't like that sort of thing. And I I can't control that. It is free speech. But I mean, I I don't ever like to see that or hear that. I cringe at the thought of it, quite frankly. But in that same email, they mentioned, they said, you know, why is it that Dr. McCullough and you never have to use that sort of vocabulary? But this cat did. So again, I don't know which host it was, but eh, we'll find out. Anyways. You know, I went on a podcast recently with Steve Kirsch, yeah. the outspoken multimillionaire who's been, you know, advocating for analyses of vaccine safety. And Steve you know, several times tried to drop the F-bomb mm. and I cut him off each time. I said, Steve, I try not to cuss. I really don't. Mm. Um, I've been very impressed by uh, actually an NFL quarterback. I was watching NFL films, films years ago and it was Philip Rivers, who was the quarterback of the San Diego Chargers. And apparently he's got, you know, multiple kids and he lives a, a Christian life. And no matter all the hard knocks you get in football, he never cusses. And they asked all the linemen, even when you tackle him and you crunch him, he never cusses. And they go, he never does. And I said, gosh, what a role model. If he can get through the NFL career without uttering a swear word, certainly I can do it as a doctor and a media commentator. There you go. There you go. The, the problem with those swear words is they're habit forming. They become part of your vernacular, your vocabulary, and it's they're habit forming and not in a good way, obviously. Uh, it's, it's bad stuff. You know, I try to teach my son that as well. Come on, you don't need to use that language. Stop it. Clean it up, man. You know, but the kids and other, they think it's cool. In fact, Peter, when you go to a, give you an example. This is interesting. I know listeners can relate to this, but you go to a, a comedian show. I'll give you an example. Two comedians side by each. One's F, like a Richard Pryor F-bomb and everything and blah, 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 blah. You know, the horse fell in the mud, the horse, the f and horse fell in the mud, blah, blah. And then the next comedian doesn't use any of that. You know, it takes a lot more talent not to use that language and be funny than it does. Usually people who use the language need attention or they are just not that funny or there's other problems. I'm, I'm very serious. There are other problems in the life because it's really not necessary in regular vocabulary. You know what I mean? You know, I would agree with you. Wasn't one of the first comedians yeah. to do it was George Carlin. Uh, he might have been. I don't know. But I know a lot of them did it and they still do it. And some of them think it's funny as hell. Uh, and But a lot of them are not funny. I'm telling you, if you listen to these cats and you take those words out of there, they're boring. So if you don't have the talent, you almost have to use the language. I'm telling you right now, you almost have to. But if you've got talent, you almost can avoid it altogether. Isn't that something? But I've seen it. I've, I've watched it, you know. I like that. You know, using your words, words can be powerful. I think vocabulary is something that can always be built. 
sentence structure improved. Uh, language is, I think, a lifetime lifetime product, really. A lifetime I think it is. I think it is. And I, I'm, I take it very serious. And even the dictation of words, people say to me all the time, what planet are you from? Because of your dictation or your words. And well, that's exactly it. I pronounce the denunciation of words a certain way. Uh, and a lot of it's for clarity or whatever the uniqueness of things or whatever. I don't know. Of course, I'm from Pluto anyway, so that explains a lot. Listen, tell me about this mask story. There's a, this analysis on mask, uh, this uh, Cochrane analysis. Right. This is uh, breaking. This is on my uh, hmm. Courageous Discourse Substack, a, an analysis uh, that was just published by the Cochrane Library. And I want our listeners to understand that Cochrane, C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E, the Cochrane Library is out of the United Kingdom. They are considered the top group for evidence-based review of information. This paper is by Tom Jefferson at the University of Oxford in Oxford, and it's on masks. And listen to how comprehensive this is. Hmm. 78 randomized trials of masks, six were uh, new ones added to their review on COVID-19 pandemic. When it was medical, surgical masks compared to no masks in public, 12 trials, 10 cluster randomized trials. Conclusion, it made little or no difference. Statistically insignificant from not wearing a mask for developing a clinical illness or being test positive. And then in the hospital, five studies, uh, one at home, but with healthcare workers, N95 masks or P2 respirators versus surgical masks, and there was no difference, what we call non-inferior, wow. wow. non-inferior. So not so, even with the N95, there was no difference? You're no, and, and so, you know, the conclusion was, what I said is, you know, when I go on TV, people have asked me about this for three years. I said, listen, I'm a doctor. If I go into the cardiac cath lab, the operating room, or respiratory isolation room for a patient, I wear a mask. And after all of this three years of of mask debates and, and mandates and policies, I'm still doing the same thing as I did three years ago. Doctors decide when to use masks. Our public health agencies should never, ever bring up the word mask again. Mm. All mandates should be dropped. Mm. And we should never make this be a, a focal point of public health response. It just distracted away from far more important issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the We speculated, you and I talked many times over the years about the N95, whether that was truly, truly effective or not. And there was a lot of speculation on it. We knew a lot of the way people were wearing masks and scarves and all kinds of things around their face and nostrils are hanging there. And uh, I mean, just I mean, the whole thing was silly. And then walking into a restaurant, put the mask on, walk six, eight, 10, 12, 20 <laughs> feet, whatever, and then take it. Out. I mean, I just didn't play those games, Peter. I, I left more restaurants. I mean, this is, I'm a very principle driven person. And even if it's to my inconvenience and I had my kids with me, my wife a couple of times and uh, many times actually, and we went in and I just wouldn't play that game. I'm not putting this silly thing on to walk, you know, 20 feet to a table just because you deem this is, you know, well, say, well, that's our policy here at the restaurant. Well, let me tell you my policy as a customer. I don't, I don't, I don't participate in fools and give you my money when I don't agree with you. So anyways, I left, you know, did plenty of times. I don't believe in the mask thing. I'm not wearing a mask no matter what they do. I don't really care. You, know? you, you would get along great with my wife. My you said wife, that many times over the years, too. <laughs> she's an anti-masker. She just is like not wearing a mask. And we just got into these showdowns in the airport and in restaurants. And, and it's a lady after my own heart, man. 
But people had lost their minds. There are these uh, yeah. newsreels of people swimming in swimming pools with masks, you know, trying to run <laughs> a 100-yard race. Uh, it just A marathon with a mask on. Oh, and, my and, God. You know, these little kids trying to play violin, and they put them in these plastic. Oh, sick. Uh, and the plexiglass, I remember testifying in the yeah. Texas Senate, and they had these plexiglass shields as if we were, you know, in the uh, DMV or something. Yeah. It, it was, it, we, it got to be basically a, a, a fear driven campaign. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Us. Yeah, that's a hell of a segue to this next story quickly because <laughs> that really is a good segue because, uh, this next one is, uh, you know, we've heard of a lot of complications coming from vaccines. And I mean, we just heard of everything. And I knew it was going to happen. You and I both said, and we, there's so many unknowns that we're not going to know until we get there. And now we're seeing acute psychosis after the vaccine. Again, uh, you know, from the mass thing, that is a good segue to this. But so what about this? Uh, this uh, developing acute psychosis after the vaccine? You know, people have said jokingly, those who take the vaccine kind of become a little crazy. And, wow. uh, you know, and I think people listening to this know what I'm talking about. But there are now probably about a dozen reports of acute psychosis after COVID-19 vaccination I reviewed one of them by uh, Tonka Borovina from Croatia. And these were three cases, and it was well-documented. Each one of these cases, and, and the rest of the dozen papers are identical. Uh, they develop headache, some numbness and tingling, and then become psychotic, literally lose their moorings, start to have hallucinations, um, become very mm. hostile and unstable, Wow. Uh, one of them in this case series became suicidal, actually took a knife and stabbed himself in the abdomen oh and God. required emergency abdominal surgery, hmm. uh, which is uh, which is remarkable, required hospitalization, multiple psychiatric medications, took over a month to have this resolve. And what we've learned is that the lipid nanoparticles that the uh, messenger RNA and adenoviral DNA vaccines are loaded on they actually travel into the brain. So in, in some people, they must get brain distribution in the wrong place or the wrong patient with susceptibility profile where it literally can make somebody go crazy for a period of time after COVID-19 vaccination. Yeah. You know, I'm just wondering five years from now, when we look back and somebody writes the book on all of these ailments that came out of the vaccines, it's going to be extensive, Peter. It's going to be extensive, you know. It's going to be a whole new textbook of medicine, yeah. the textbook of COVID-19 vaccine injury syndromes. The Zogby survey, I think, was remarkable in that 15% mm. of Americans report that they have some new medical problem That's right. related to the vaccine. And, right. and you may have seen this clip from an MSNBC news anchor recently, a female news anchor who, uh, I believe her name is Selwa, who um, got myopericarditis. Did you happen to see this? I don't know. No. It's been all over the news. I think by the time uh, this gets posted, everyone will have seen it. It's remarkable okay. where this news anchor, MSNBC, says she's been gone for a while. Then she describes her sojourn of developing chest pain, shortness of breath. She goes to the ER. Uh, she's misdiagnosed as esophageal reflux. And then she comes back to the ER and it's, it's really serious heart pain. She turns out to be hospitalized three separate times 
needs emergency transfer from one hospital to another, Mm -hmm. has a large amount of fluid around her heart called pericardial tamponade, has to have a needle inserted in her chest to drain the fluid out. And I do these types of procedures. This is like a four inch or six inch needle. This is not a small thing. And have it drained out. Uh, she used to be able to run seven miles a day. Now it's trouble breathing. Says, well, she, and, and the way she tells the whole story, is she's angry. And uh, she's like, you know, I used to be able to do this. And, and, and she's angry. And then in the end, uh, which is amazing, she's angry because she believes the cause of all this is the common cold. And she goes, you know, I got this because of the cold. And she looks at the camera and you look at her body language. And it's so interesting, Malcolm. She doesn't think it's a common cold. Mm. She's following some type of news anchor talking points. Mm. She's fully vaccinated. That's well known Mm. uh, out there in the public space. And she's angry because it's a COVID-19 vaccine, but she's following some station talking points. It's the most interesting video. Start to look at her body language. Say, wait a minute. She's not just, she's not angrily mentioning this as a common cold. We all get common colds. This is due to COVID-19 vaccine. She has COVID-19 vaccine-induced myopericarditis. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really is an amazing video for everyone uh, uh, to, to, okay. to watch. And the other real brief update is this uh, swimmer from Arizona uh, who died suddenly that just came up on the, uh, the news feed. This is really uh, remarkable. Um, he is a uh, very strong uh, athlete, and uh, I'll see if I can uh, bring his name up. There are so many stories like this where but they're just this, dying. I mean, right. This guy uh, is wow. is absolutely Ty Wells. You have to look this up. Ty Wells. This guy is a, a physical specimen. There's a picture of him. Uh, you know, he was born in 1999, Malcolm, mm. wow. 1999. Wow. He's a physical specimen. And you know, my commentary is that, listen, these athletes are screened. They have EKGs. They have echocardiograms. They have a doctor's exam. They have blood tests. They're ready to go when they go in the pool. And it takes a lot to kill a physical specimen like yeah. this. Yeah. And, and that's you know, at 23, the, 24 years old. Right. And as the families remain silent, the doctors yeah. remain silent and pretend they're baffled. The universities say nothing. Uh, the media tries to silence it. I want people to think what powerful force could be in his body and all these other athletes' body to kill them at this age, to literally kill them. And the only thing I can think of is COVID-19 vaccine-induced fatal syndromes, largely myocarditis and cardiac arrest or fatal pulmonary embolism. It's just, you just can't, bring down yeah. athletes like this well and just everybody i mean well, just yeah, so many people. right everybody but the athletes are notable because yeah. we just yeah. know they shouldn't be dying right, right and in epoch times now they they estimate 270 u.s athletes have died just in this, this country i know it's about well over a thousand fifteen uh, whatever it is uh, globally right Right. And, and yeah. by the time this airs, yeah. uh, I will have uh, gone on with um, Michelle Tafoya, former NFL commentator from the sidelines, and John Stockton, famed guard from the Utah Jazz, to have an honest review on this. Stockton believes he's keeping track that it's about 300 mm-hmm. prominent athletes that died that he knows. Is that of. on the McCullough Report this weekend? No, that's actually going to be on Michelle's show. 
Um, oh, well, I see, their show. Okay. Yeah, on Michelle's show. But this is this is remarkable. The, the athletes are notable for a couple of reasons. A, they shouldn't be dying. B, they're screened for heart disease ahead of time. Yeah. And C, Malcolm, they're relatable. Everybody can relate to them. Yeah. It's it's hard for young people to relate to a nursing home patient who's at the end of their life. It really is. But young people can relate to these athletes. And you know, should. I hear you talking and, you know, I don't know if this is normal, but I'm getting angrier and angrier inside um, to think of this anguish and pain that and death that has been brought on so many people. And, and I say to myself, why? Why did this have to happen? I mean, uh, I you know, you try to fix things, make it right. What happened? Understand what took place. It's you know, it's almost in an alternate universe of conversation, Peter. It's like we can't really be having this conversation, can we? We are, Malcolm. We are. There's large numbers of people dying. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm going to be uh, mm. next wow. week in Australia, mm. and I'm going to have some hard conversations with the Australian wow. officials. Uh, this is good luck there, man. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, they're the epicenter for this. Oh, it's terrible. Bring but, a bodyguard with you, a few of them. Uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but Australia has excess mortality now that's absolutely uh, stunning, going from uh, 2020 to 2021, 2022, in the thousands. And if these vaccines would have worked, they should have at least held it neutral or taken it down. Yeah, they've suffered like they've suffered incredibly hard out there. I mean, my heart goes out to Australians, uh, and I've seen the correspondence. I've seen countless that have come in here from Australia and New Zealand. Both um, they're two of the target countries that have been so bad, so egregious. What's taken place, and what's really bad is the officials there. Those, I mean, there's just no respect for life and the force, the anguish that they've put on the population in those markets, it's it's unconscionable what's taking place, Peter, there. It's just, it's sick. It's really, it, really sick. It's almost as if they're a test lab for yeah. authoritarian, totalitarian approaches. Yeah, Public test lab for Satan's playpen uh, for the devil. Uh, that's what I'll give you, man. Uh, it's just really remember, sick. Remember Australia got down to no jab, no job. They had tested out a five-kilometer perimeter around your house for a period of time. You could not travel more than five kilometers. Uh, vaccine concentration camps, they had built them. I, I mean, there's there's no limit to where Australia was going to go on this. And I'll be the first public health official, medical, you know, person of medical authority. I'm not a public health official, but a person of medical authority and of international fame to go into Australia and speak the truth about yeah. COVID-19. It's right after tennis great Novak Djokovic won yeah. the Australian Open uh, with Bill Gates in attendance. That was uh, an amazing side-by-side um, -side shot. And uh, recall last year, he was put into this um, unnecessary, unjustified I remember. quarantine and not uh, able to compete. So Djokovic, and then we'll see what McCullough and Entourage can do next week. Going to be interesting. I hope you do a show from there, a couple of interviews or something, man, uh, from Australia. How long are you there for? I'll be there for about 12 days. 12 you know, days? Wow. Before wow. that, I'm going to be in India. 
And we're working on a meeting between myself and uh, key leaders and the Prime Minister Modi. Wow. Oh, and, cool, cool. And it may happen. Uh, that will right. be next Monday, next Tuesday. We've got. Well, we'll see how it goes. You'll have to let us know how that happens. But you'll be working through the whole thing, anyways, of course, um, as you always do, right? I mean, uh, that's the pleasure. We work hard, play hard. That's a, it's a, that's a prescription I used to give to myself years ago in the in the corporate boardrooms, Peter. Work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard. Of course, I forgot to play hard now in the last seven years since America Out Loud. Now it's work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to play hard. I got to go back and get that again somewhere. I don't know. It's been a while. Well, let me tell folks before we take a pause here, and this uh, we're going to jump into all the questions here. Uh, a lot of interesting questions that actually play to a lot of the narratives we've been talking about here in the first part of the broadcast, friends. But I want to tell you about uh, the power of HOCL is what I want to talk about, the hypochlorous, uh, which is an amazing product, uh, which there's not many products you can clean your vegetables with. You can use it as a nasal rinse, and yet you can do all of these things, and yet it kills SARS-CoV-2, it kills pathogens, it helps protect against mold, it, it kills pathogens of all kinds. I mean, I don't think there's a lot that, I mean, it's really quite all purposeful. Uh, don't you think, Peter? You know, I do. You know, recently I, I dispatched my, my newer unit, the smaller uh, tabletop or shelf oh, unit yeah. to a friend and a patient who's suffering from confirmed mold toxicity. Oh, wow. Yeah. And wow. I told her, I said, listen, you need it. You need it mm. more than I do. Oh, Peter, that's cool. That's he cool. Came by and. That's I cool. said, get it set up mm-hmm. and keep me updated on how it goes because yeah. these mold spores, and this is a big issue down south. You oh, know, yeah. all these houses yeah. that are now 30, 40, 50 years old, they had AC units really haven't bad. changed. Yeah, really this bad. Well, it's really anywhere bad. in the country, it's really bad because, you know, I, I had a friend who was, I shared that before with you, Peter, who was attacked very severely with mold. And mold is sort of the hidden it's the hidden problem because you don't see it most often. It's behind the thing. It's behind the wall. It's under the tile. It's in the drywall. It's somewhere. It's under the bed. It's, yeah, I can't explain it. We didn't even know it was there. And it causes such severe problems. I mean, you, you get so incapacitated with this mold. You all, you don't know what you got. You know what I mean? Right. It's so true. And, you know, in Dallas, we're blessed. There are two Hmm. leading doctors who have become experts in this. They have all the mold testing technologies and various ways to mitigate it. They do actually formal reports for insurance companies. Uh, What I've, you know, and this has probably been made worse since the pandemic, since so many people are working home at home now. They actually don't leave their house before people used to be at home, but then they'd be outside at work and they'd be around. You know, so many people, I'd like to see the statistics of how many people were working outside the home have been converted to permanent work at home employees in America. Oh, it's a lot. It's I think huge. the number would be huge. Yeah. It's a huge number, huge. And lifestyles have been changed. I mean, everything's been changed. And a lot of, it, it, you know, a lot of these things changed for per- permanent. I mean, they became permanent and some things changed for the good, actually. A lot of things did not, of course. But HOCL, there are two two products here that I want to tell you about. One is the Genesis Fogger. That's the first piece of equipment I told you all about, uh, which has been a while now. Uh, right in the heat of the pandemic, we came out with that product with uh, this Genesis HOCL. It was the Fogger. And Peter, you and I both have one of those. It was really fantastic. That you move around from room to room or whatever it is 
uh, in your home, when you get people in and out, that's certainly, that was it. Or uh, even small uh, businesses, everybody should have that. Uh, and you always talk about the restroom problem as well. Restrooms that smell well, in that terrible. Well, two, two, you know, I, I honestly think it ought to become public health policy that restrooms ought to be uh, basically decontaminated with this. I also think hotel rooms wow. and then apartments and duplexes when they change over. This is really important. Wow. I, I think the landlords, the hotel operators, the building and uh, facilities maintenance people, they need to be able to tell their clientele that they've done everything Amen. they can. Uh, do you know there are infectious diseases that people actually do acquire in the restroom? One of them is Clostridium difficile, C. difficile. It's a form of diarrhea that's actually airborne. So you go into a restroom, wow. Wow. you don't know. And the other one is the Norwalk virus. The yeah. Norwalk, and that's the one that people catch on cruise ships. If you remember these, yeah, that's right. Virus. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, a cruise ships is another area where they ought to have these units. Yeah. And and be able to go through and decontaminate periodically. This just yeah, makes sense. I'm I'm over the cruising world. I used to take them with my wife when we were a lot younger, but I just find them. I don't know. They're messy now uh, with all this pathogen crap. I'm I'm a as you call me a germaphobic. You're a just, germaphobe. <laughs> I'm not into the cruise thing anymore. Now you can keep it. Thank you. Everybody's a little too close at that point. Sorry. So you keep all of that. Um, so you talk about the restrooms, the mold. The bottom line is there's a lot of applications for this. Now, I mentioned the uh, Fogger itself. The other product is the one that you, you were just talking about, Peter, that I have as well, the UX4 uh, atomizer. It's stationary, this product is. And you put the HOCL, you dilute it, the product, about, I think it's nine times you dilute. And then uh, it's amazing because it puts that dry mist in the air that kills all that stuff. I used it through the whole season. Uh, when you have people, you know, holiday season, I'm talking about, but you know, when you have a lot of people back in more traffic, that sort of thing, whatever. I, I just think it's good practice and good principle. We get back to this kind of thing. And you know, the other thing, Peter, if we don't start to treat our health, and I've always been an advocate of being a healthy lifestyle and doing all the things we can do, then, you know, it's a fool's game. I mean, you got to stay ahead of the stuff. People are asking, what can we do? What can we do? Well, I'm telling you what you can do. Get HOCL, put it in either of those products. Our listeners get 15% off. Use the code out loud. So you can go to genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud, or even easier, just go to americaoutloud.com. Look at the uh, banner ads we have there. Click that. You automatically get the discount. And uh, you can check out the other ones we have as well. We have some amazing products. And we're, we are talking to others as well that we think can bring value. But there's a high bar I've got here. I really want things that are really wildly effective that are going to bring value to our lives. I got a lot of people who want to get in here, but frankly, I, I want to keep that bar high, Peter. So we're really doing good stuff and, um, you know, things that impact people's lives. And, and I want to feel like we're selling stuff from the trunk of the car. You know, I hate that stuff. You know, oh, man, I got something here. I got a pillow for you or something. I don't know. I'm just not into that. All right, we're going to take a quick pause and we'll join you back here on the Q&A 55 in just a moment. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action 
and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. You know, for me as a doctor, the recommendations I make to my patients are always around each and every individual person who's in front of me. And I recommend a variety of different products. Today, I saw a young man. He's in his early 20s. He is going to school full-time. He's working full-time. He was in the room with his mom. He looked tired. And I can tell you, he is truly burning the candle at both ends. And what he really looked like, he looked like he lacked focus and energy. And what product did I recommend to him? Healthy Cell. Healthy Cell Focus and memory really helps when people need it, especially students. And I've tried it myself and I use it frequently. Make sure you use it in the morning. It's slightly stimulatory, but I can tell you this really helps get at least my mind and I think his mind in the right framework, the right activation. It has a a variety of nutraceuticals and supplements that go well in combination and it's rapid acting as he's getting off to school or work in the morning. Think of healthy cell, focus and memory, not just for senior citizens and those with uh, at risk for cognitive decline, but also students like this one, burning the candle at both ends. So go to our website, uh, America Out Loud Talk Radio, and go to the banner bar, click on healthy cell. And then when you get there, make sure if you need it, use the promo code out loud to get 20% off your first purchase. Healthy cell, focus and memory. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Oh, we join you back here, friends, on America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, along with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, this is a Q&A 55. All right, this first one is from Patricia. She says, thank you, Malcolm and Dr. Peter McCullough, for your courage and faithfulness in sharing truth. Thank you, Patricia. She says, my question has to do with my 68-year-old husband who took the Moderna shots in April 2021. This past March, he had symptoms that we never thought could be COVID. A couple of days of headaches, weeks of stomach pain, low energy, brain fog, an increase of the AFib palpitations. Uh, Now, here's where the story, listen to this now, gets a little interesting. I found this question quite something. She said, I later found out that he got a booster sometime in April. He, He knew I wouldn't have liked that. I never took any of the shots, so he kept it secret. See what this does to families, Peter? See, see what this does? I mean, come on. She says, Patricia says, I also found out later that he also experienced lack of taste in most foods. We talked about that last show as well. At the time, I am guessing he probably had COVID uh, and with the booster got an overload of spike protein. What worries me most is that he seems to now have a continuous irregular palpitations. It's hard. All the other symptoms except for this and his low energy have mostly gone away. 
He is still able to play a little bit of tennis, but not as much as just eight months ago. His cardiologist started him with a blood thinner and a higher daily dose of his previously as-needed heart medicine to see if that takes him out of AFib. He also started taking NAC and quercetin and Optis supplements, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we expect to go into cleanse and deep fasting phase in the spring. The cardiologist said he might have to consider an ablation. You call that an ablation, Peter? Mm -hmm. If things don't improve, in your opinion, would this be a safe avenue for him at this point? What do you think? Well, first off, let me unpack that. So it's probably three shots. Mm -hmm. There's a recent analysis uh, published from France. It's been summarized on Paul Alexander's Substack. So if people want to check that out, Paul Alexander, former White House advisor, evidence-based medicine expert. And this analysis from France is clearly shown that there's a risk, an enhanced risk after these shots, particularly after shot two, where it's, uh, or shot one and then shot two, a very explosive increased risk, almost a paradoxical increased risk in COVID. So you take shot one, shot two, shot three, then he's got it, it sounds like. He wasn't tested. And uh, now he's in atrial fibrillation and he has uh, blood thinners. Uh, atrial fibrillation has been clearly reported to occur after the shots. There's absolutely no doubt about it. It's a manifestation of irritability of the atria. Uh, my experience, though, is that unlike other causes of AFib, the longer in time we get away from these vaccines, as long as he doesn't take any more, there's a chance he could return to sinus rhythm, either with an electrical shock, was considered a DC cardioversion, or an ablation. So I would uh, encourage this woman and her wife, you know, to absolutely positively take no more shots and then pursue this strategy of hopefully returning the, the rhythm to normal. All right. Uh, so there's some advice for you, Patricia. And um, and then um, also tell your husband not to do it again. Tell you the truth, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. This one's from Lee. She says, uh, can those who have taken the shot reverse it if they have only taken one? I think if there's just one shot and you get far enough in time away from it, we should be okay. I did see a woman in my office yesterday and I went over her history very carefully. Wonderful lady. She's, I think she's 72. She took one shot, Malcolm, and then she realized she was wrong. And it was about 18 months later, she got COVID and then blood clots. And I mean, serious mm, blood clots. They wow. shot to her lungs. Uh, she nearly mm. died. She's on blood thinners. She's having trouble breathing. She was, she's was. she been racked by these. Mm. And, and the blood thinners now have complicated back surgery that she needed and, mm. and, and all of these factors. Yeah. And she said, Dr. McCullough, was this all from the shot I took way back when mm. in 2021? I said, I think the shot sets you up for problems with COVID. So both COVID and the shots can cause blood thinners. And I think all these people preloaded with these shots now with COVID are having complications. But having said that, if it's just one shot, no intervening COVID. And if one gets COVID, start the protocols early so we don't have a, a long protracted illness or systemic in, invasion, that we should be out of it. I mean, we should be out of it. We have to allay the fears now. So many people realize this was a, a wrong thing to have happen. Two-thirds of the world took these shots. I think one shot and no complications. Two shots, no complications. Thank your lucky stars and move on. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Quality of life. Gotta, gotta, we gotta, and we got to think positive. You're right. Too much fear out there. This one's from Melissa. My two young nephews, ages one and four, they're always sick. 
Do you think it's because their parents are both vaccinated and boosted? You know, I'm starting to really wonder about this, Malcolm. I have now I've seen two, a lot of this. Two patients in my practice. Yeah. Two, two. Saw one yesterday. They didn't take the shots and they didn't get COVID and they yeah. both have unexplained blood clots. Mm. I mean, serious blood wow. clots, shooting to the lungs, wow. blood thinners, all these complications, mm. both of them around a lot of people. One of them, the guy I saw yesterday, he goes to these teenager volleyball tournaments where there's a million kids and parents and they go in these gymnasiums. And he says, he, he said he, he must have gotten massive exposure. Another one was a political candidate. And he shook a million hands, went to all these fundraisers and all this. They both have the same syndrome. They're both men, I want to say, in their 60s. You know, I've been impressed that shedding could occur. Uh, it, these two boys being sick, maybe being around vaccinated parents, maybe it's just what we call the spike protein super antigen theory, where there's so much uh, spike protein out there. Recall, Malcolm, that I myself had COVID in 2020 proven, and then contextually in 2021. I counted up in 2022, Malcolm, I had no fewer than 12 colds. I was sick virtually every month last year. I didn't take the vaccine. I think COVID-19 illness itself or all this exposure to the spike protein is weakening our immune system. And I, and I personally, I was a victim of it. Now I've gotten through January of 2023, yeah, no cold. Yeah, I'm going to go month by month now and I'm going to keep track. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, your your key that you just talked about was the immune system. I think you're exactly right. I think you're on to it. And, uh, you know, it's I, I shared if you all heard last weekend, last week's uh, pulse uh, uh, with Dr. McCullough and I, I shared my protocol. It came after me about a week and a half ago. Pretty if you missed that, go back, listen to it. But I, I just, you know, Sometimes you got to take the bull by the horn. And that's what I did in my own life uh, because it, you know, this thing comes at you again and it's not fun. It's not fun, friends. You know that out there. So this one's from Kevin. Um, if the first vaccine was taken with the booster one in early 2020, hmm, because of being a first responder and I had to, to keep the job. How long to get rid of risk, or is there anything that can be done now to mitigate and/or detox system? <laughs> I bet he means 2021, right? Because the vaccines were released. Pfizer was December 10th, and I think Moderna was somewhere around December 20th or so, 2020. So I bet he took it in 2021. He took the first two, and then a booster mid 2021. So he's now about a year and a half afterwards. You know, I think it's out of the woods. I think it's out of the woods, but you know, be cautious. Remember, he's a first responder. He's getting exposed to COVID patients. Certainly don't take any more and be vigilant. And the only light consequences that I'm seeing right now are blood clots. I, I'm not seeing any late myocarditis. Myocarditis seems to be explosive in the first month or two. And we're seeing sudden deaths around four, five, six months, maybe yeah. eight months. Uh, we're going to have to keep track of but this. Blood but blood clots will kill you. I mean, they're serious. Red clots will kill you and they complicate your life. I, I've never prescribed so many blood thinners yeah. in my life, Malcolm. It's yeah. just, I'm just handing them out at this point in time. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I took no vaccines, no boosters. My family did not, absolutely not, never considered it, never did it, wouldn't have. And we don't have any of those complications, Peter. Not a zero, not zip, not one. Right. Well, unvaccinated in all the analysis seems to be the healthiest. You probably would be curious to know this this paper from Cleveland Clinic, Shretha and colleagues, 
preprint server system, Cleveland Clinic employees, the healthiest are the unvaccinated, lowest risk of COVID. Yeah. And then one shot, two shot, three shots, four shots, progressively graded increased risk of getting COVID. Yeah. It's just the opposite of what you think. The more shots people take, the more likely they get recurrent COVID. Yeah, yeah. and people were strong-armed, forced, uh, mandated, ridiculed, turned upside down backwards. I mean, the, the whole thing is sick. The narrative itself is just, it's a sick narrative. Makes me ill. Uh, this one is from Linda. I tested positive for COVID after having very minor symptoms, runny nose, minor sore throat, and a slight headache. I immediately started the FLCCC protocol for early treatment. I never got sick other than a 100-degree fever for a couple of days. Yeah, we, I know that. Uh, but had plenty of energy and not bedridden whatsoever. 15 days later, I'm still testing positive. My question is, did I actually have COVID? I've been hearing about how mild it is for many people, but I never developed more than a few symptoms. Do I consider this a real case of COVID? How would we know? I think it is a real case of COVID. I assume it's a PCR test or an antigen test, PCR cycle threshold less than 28. A couple of things. If one is not trusting the test, let's say you have a home test that's testing the antigen, go get a PCR test at uh, at, at the pharmacy. You, you know, an antigen or PCR test can be used as internal validation for one and another. People test positive intermittently for months afterwards. I've been telling our listeners this for a long time. My dad who got COVID, I think he tested intermittently positive 17 times. They kept testing him and they they tell me he's positive again. I said, well, dad, how are you doing? Great. So, you know, the bottom line is she had COVID. The tests are going to be positive for a long time. Uh, the, we, we don't need to keep this continued testing going on. This is what's leading to all these false positive cases. Do you know when people uh, you know, have COVID in December and they get put in the hospital in May for an ankle sprain or broken leg, they test positive again. They're counted as a COVID case, Malcolm. If yeah. she was in the hospital, she'd be counted as another COVID case, even though she's recovered. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a cha-ching, cha-ching. Keeps the cash register ringing, you know. Uh, Phil says, is it possible that sexual activity can allow for the spike protein to enter the body and have a major effect on the reproductive system. Hmm. We think it's possible, based on the paper by Hannah and colleagues that found messenger RNA in breast milk, the spike protein is believed to also be present in body fluids. But you know, there's never been a case reported where someone got COVID through sexual transmission. It just hasn't been reported yet. You know, there's papers published from all over the world. I'm tracking all this. There hasn't been a single case of sexual transmission of COVID. You know, whereas other viruses, it became obvious, like monkeypox, where it became obvious, it was clearly transmitted sexually. Yeah. Okay. This one's from Heather. I think my dad is vaccine injured and after having a successful open heart surgery has developed clots and was hospitalized. He had an appendectomy and was septic, but did recover before the open heart surgery. My question is, if he dies soon, how do I make sure he has an autopsy by a doctor who is willing to say that the vaccine was the cause? Wow. What a question. This is an important question. It's a horrific vignette, mm -hmm. but the listener is is uh, observant that in fact the, the vaccine kicked this off. One thing leads to another. He gets sick. He's in the hospital, and you know there's a whole series of events. Heaven forbid he passed away. The family has the right to request an autopsy, and it can be a full autopsy. That's head to toe. Everything's open, including the cranium, the pelvic vault. 
et cetera, or it can be limited to the chest and abdomen major organs and have it be much more uh, clinically driven. If the patient is at a teaching hospital, it's much easier because almost every teaching hospital has requirements to do autopsies for teaching purposes. So it can be at pathology or, or morbidity and mortality uh, conference, but the family has to be ready to make the call. Now, some hospitals will say, well, we're not going to do it and you have to pay for it. Well, that becomes part of a negotiation because you know the hospitals bill insurance companies and Medicare uh, every every hospital I've been involved in, when a family requests an autopsy, it's honored. I've had some uh, contentious cases mm-hmm. where prior to COVID, it was a medical legal malpractice risk situation. The family requested an autopsy and the hospital refuses to do it. And you know what? The family can request the body be sent to the coroner's office or the medical examiner's office in the county and have an autopsy done. Yeah. So it's, it's up to the family. Just don't, it, when the, Notice of death comes in and family comes in, just don't have them quickly call the funeral home. The family has to intercede here and demand it. Yeah, you go, Heather. All right. Uh, let's uh, sneak in these couple here quick. Uh, Ellen says, should aspirin be taken for mild cases of COVID? I would say the answer is yes, because even mild cases have been related to blood clots, particularly in adults, 325 milligrams, at least for 30 days, those with no atherosclerosis, 90 days. Okay. All right. Last one from Dave. I just listened to your program with Dr. Brad Meyer. At the very end, he talked about a woman that he treated with hyperbaric pressure. The symptoms she had are very similar to symptoms I'm experiencing that started right around the time I got COVID. Dr. Meyer um, then made a comment after discussing the case uh, that there were a lot of ways to improve the immune system. Is there any place on the internet that has a good list or good explanation for steps that can take to improve the immune system. I've talked to my doctor about it several times and have gone to a neurologist several months ago to no avail. Great question. You know, I don't know any uh, website that's completely focused on it. I think the one that's closest is held by Dr. Joseph Mercola, M-E-R-C-O-L-A. Uh, he has a pretty strong one. Another one is by Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, and she's been on McCullough Report, T-E-N. P-E-N-N-Y. It mainly exercise, good nutrition, nutraceuticals and supplements. And for post-COVID and long COVID syndromes, now supported by several studies, hyperbaric oxygen. And if you go to a hyperbaric oxygen center, it's a lot of sessions. We're talking, you know, dozens and dozens of sessions. But in on the study so far, it really improves these symptoms. There's something about hyperbaric that allows the body to clear the virus and the spike protein, get people back to normal. All right, friends, that is a wrap from here. We're right out of time. Here's Q&A 55 in the books. And uh, again, uh, make sure to listen to the McCullough Report on Saturday, Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern time. And by the way, Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour that uh, uh, Dr. McCullough just brought him up a moment ago. He's at noontime. You'll catch that show. Noontime, 12 uh, straight up uh, on um, Saturday, Sunday as well here. Great lineup on the weekends as well. Fabulous shows. And we are really charging it up here on the network. Uh, You'll see there's a lot of new program, a lot of things going on. Um, anyways, take, take, be, be in tune to all of this. Uh, Tom Rents at 6 p.m., phenomenal show. National Security Hour 7 with the military generals and intel. You, you can't miss this stuff. It's the best in class, friends. Hey, thank you for joining us here on America Out Loud Pulse. Always, I'll be ahead.